Welcome, and thank you for downloading Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast. Here at Movement, we are passionate about God's Word and helping each other move closer to God. Thank you for choosing to grow with us today. And now, here's our lead minister, Bobby Wallace. All right. Uh, we are continuing our series, Nothing Changes If Nothing Changes. And this is a series that's, you know, kind of a New Year-inspired theme. You know, a lot of times we come up with different uh, New Year's resolutions or just goals that we have, and sometimes they do okay, and then sometimes they don't. And the idea behind this is if we want to see change in our life, then we've got to start changing some of our habits, some of the ways we think, a lot of different things. There, our level of activity, you know, if it's a, if it's a physical goal. And so this series is taking kind of like that whole exercise and physical fitness mentality that a lot of us have at the first part of the new year and applying it to our spiritual life. Because if you look at the Bible, there's a lot of connections there. And I want to tell you, um, you know, I've tried to get a little bit healthier over this past year. And uh, so I'm always trying to learn new tips and tricks to help my mind, you know, get my body in gear and that sort of thing. And one of the things that I've learned is that you can exercise anywhere, anytime. Did you know that? Did you know that? Y'all don't sound convinced. Y'all don't sound convinced. I, I want you to do something with me. If you're feeling brave, I'm going to ask you to, to stand up with me, okay? I'm going to stand up, stand up, stand up. I said brave and all y'all chickened out. <laughs> y'all like, oh, this is going to be something that's going to be rough. I don't know what's going to go on. All right, so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to show you some exercises that you can do in everyday life, all right? You got to listen to me. You got to watch me, and I'll show you these exercise tips, and we'll get going. All right, let's, let's cue that music. All right. So the first thing in the morning, you wake up, you stretch. All right, you get up, you head to the bathroom, and then you go in and you brush your teeth. Put some toothpaste on, then go. A little bit like that. A little bit. All right, you got that. All right, then you decide you got to go to the grocery store, all right? So you go, you get your shopping cart, and you go to get a little bit of groove going there. All right, you got to get something on the top shelf. In. Top shelf. In. Other side. All right, down low. All right, here we go. All right, you're going along. You get back home and you decide, okay, I need to mow the lawn, all right? So you go out to your lawnmower, then you go. All right, then you get your, your lawnmower going. You see your neighbor, you wave. See your neighbor, you wave. All right, then, there you go. All right, y'all give yourselves a hand. Good job, good job, good job. So uh, <laughs> you can do that, right? You can do that. You might look like a giant freak, but you can do that, all right? So um, that's just something I've done with teenagers. I didn't, somebody came up with a lot of those years ago. Uh, I do them a lot of times at teen camps and stuff like that, and it's always fun. It gets us moving a little bit, um, but who knows? You might look at all those different things uh, a little bit differently. But here's the thing. Last week, we talked about the idea of consistency, which starts how? One little bit at a time, and every day, whether you messed up the day before, you say, okay, starting fresh, I'm going to become consistent, and pretty soon, if you stick with it, it happens, and you become a consistent person. We also talked about finding at least one thing, if you're really, really struggling with being consistent in your spiritual walk, and, th and this applies for physical activity and exercise and health and diet and all that, too. 
But if you find just one area and you just start to be consistent in that one area, it can bleed over into other areas or other ways that you can be consistent. But the whole point is to make sure that we will do what? Do you remember from last week? Endure. Endurance is what we want to build. And so consistency, when we become consistent, that's what allows us to endure. Now, I sort of have gone about this a little bit backwards because I wanted you to get the sort of the end goal. Our goal is to endure until Jesus comes back. That's, that's our goal. And so I started there with the goal, and then I started with kind of the initial thing because so many times we don't ever get consistent, and so therefore we don't accomplish anything that we ever want to accomplish. So today we're starting with some of the habits. Now, the same thing is true with diet and exercise. So we're using diet and exercise lingo. The first thing we got to do is focus on getting the right amount of rest. I, I don't know about you guys, but that's one of the things I've learned over and over and over again. I was not sleeping well about a year and a half ago. You know, it had been something for most of my life. I was not sleeping well. And once I started getting my sleep better, I started feeling better. I started having more energy. It was just life improved drastically. And so that's the thing you got to do. With your spiritual life, the same thing is true. You've got to get spiritual rest. You've got to get even physical rest if you want to have a strong spiritual life with Jesus. Now, you might have heard, if you've been around church for a little bit, you might have heard the, the word Sabbath or you might have heard the word rest. And a lot of times when we, you know, we're in a New Testament time, you know, we're living under the New Covenant, and you may think, well, that's sort of an Old Testament thing. Um, where, when I grew up uh, in eastern North Carolina, uh, people still sort of referred to Sunday as the Sabbath. And I don't know that that's necessarily, it's not wrong, but if you become legalistic about it, it is, you know. People would say, you know, you ride by and somebody might be like mowing their lawn and be like, oh, they're going to hell, they're mowing the lawn on a Sunday. You know, I mean, they would like be real strict about it. And that's not the idea behind it. Now, the Sabbath in the Old Testament was Saturday, the seventh day of the week. Um, but the idea, the principle is still so valuable. It may not be a New Testament command to honor the Sabbath in that way because, and here's a little bit of, you know, big picture looking at this thing. You look at the book of Hebrews, it paints the picture that our Sabbath rest is in Jesus. Jesus is a fulfillment. And so once we come into Jesus, that's our spiritual rest that we've been working for. But even more importantly, we're longing for heaven and we're longing to be with him forever where we'll completely rest forever. But the idea of physical rest, at least one day a week, is so vitally important. I want to take a look at an Old Testament passage to kind of help us wrap our minds around the, the heart and the spirit of Sabbath. And, and there's an Old Testament passage, you know, there's a lot of times it's mentioned, honor the Sabbath, keep it holy, it's one of the Ten Commandments. But here's one particular place that I think kind of helps us wrap our minds around it. And you can follow along in your Bible if you'd like, Exodus chapter 16, it's going to be on the screen here. Um, or you can look on your Bible app and follow there, Exodus 16. But this particular time is when the Israelites were wandering in the desert. They started complaining because they did not have any food. And if you remember the story, God provided this food that was sort of like a bread-like, wafer-like substance called what? Manna. It literally fell from the sky, kind of like dew. And in the morning when they woke up, all this, this bread, these wafers were all over the ground. A, a, a crazy miracle. And what God told them when he said this bread's going to be out there, this manna's going to be out there, is you just go and you gather enough for how long? Each day, today, that day you were there, you're going to gather, gather enough, and nobody's going to have too much, nobody's going to have too little. He says, but here's a word of caution. 
you're not going to try to gather for two days because when you try to store it overnight, guess what's going to happen? It's going to rot. It's going to, it's going to be ruined. And you will not be able to eat what fell yesterday tomorrow. God was trying to teach them, you need to trust me for your daily bread, you know, for his provision. You need to trust God for your provision. It's a powerful lesson. But on the Sabbath day, when it rolls around on Saturday, guess what? God wasn't going to deliver any manna. He wasn't going to deliver any of that bread. So he told them, he said, on the sixth day, on Friday, you gather extra, and that day it will hold over until Saturday. So all you got to do is eat. You don't have to go out and work for it. You don't have to go and pick it up off the ground. You just gather a little bit more on Friday, and there'll be enough on Saturday. And that Sabbath was a commemoration of God's creation when he rested at the end of the creation time. And so here we pick up Exodus 16, verse 22. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much bread, two omers each. And when all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, he said to them, this is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake and boil what you will boil, and all that is left over lay aside to be kept till the morning. So they laid it aside till the morning as Moses commanded them, and it did not stink, and there were no worms in it. Always a good thing when it comes to food. Just follow me for more food tips. Call me Gordon Ramsay, if you will. Um, that's always a good thing. There will be no worms in it. It will not stink. Verse 25, and Moses said, eat it today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, which is a Sabbath, there will be none. So there wasn't any falling on the ground on the Sabbath. Pick up verse 27. On the seventh day, some of the people went out to gather, but they found none. Shocker. He told them, didn't he? He told them there will be none. And so they're like, I don't know if they were just creatures of habit. I don't know. You know, I don't know. Type A personality. People's like, I got to be doing something, you know. And so they're like, I'm going to go out. Oh, it's not here. He told them. So he, he continues on. Verse 28. And the Lord said to Moses. Okay. So God speaks to Moses because of this reason. How long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. I want you to understand the depth of this right here. There's a valuable lesson. First off, we've already said it. God provides, okay? God provides. When we trust him to provide, we have all we need. When we rely on our own power, guess what? It all just rots. And you can take that as deep as you want to take it because it goes a long way. When you try to fix your life and when you try to provide for yourself, it all just rots. It all just rusts. We're told in Scripture that one day everything is going to burn up. And the only thing that remain are our souls and we'll get a new body. And so we need to understand God provides. And when we try to do it in our own power, it all just rots. And simply put, don't miss this lesson. I believe this is the spirit of Sabbath, spirit of rest. When we fail to trust God with our time, it's disobedience. When we fail to trust God with our time, it's disobedience. When we say, you know, I've just got to get more done. I need to do this. I need to do that. What's the key phrase that's causing us a problem or the key word? I. 
I, 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 me, 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 me. And we're focused on ourselves and what we think we can do. And so we say, I'm going to work just that much harder because I've got to provide for my family. And yes, the Bible does say on the opposite side of the coin, you're not to be lazy and those who do not work shall not eat. But when we start to think that everything we have comes from us and not from God and that it's up to us to provide, even when we work, everything we have ultimately comes from God. And when we don't understand that, we are disobeying God. God was not just like, oh, you silly Israelites. I told you it wasn't going to be out there. And you still went out there to gather on the seventh day. What did he call it, ultimately? I mean, you can paraphrase. It was disobedience. He said, how long are you going to ignore my commands? How long are you going to disobey me? God was upset because they did not trust him. And so in our American culture, in our Western minds, we will shame people who are willing to take rest. Not, I'm not talking about laziness. That's a whole other thing. Like we said, I, but I got to reiterate that because I got to get it through our American mindsets, right? I'm not talking about people who are being lazy. That's wrong too. But in our American mindsets, we think we've got to do it all. And anybody who takes a rest is worthless and, and silly and lazy and wasteful. But there's, our bodies need rest. More and more science proves that. And that's why rest is part of the Sabbath as well as spiritual rest. And what we're saying to God when we don't trust him with our time and take time to rest and trust his provision is we're saying, God, you're not enough. It might hurt to hear that, but that's what I'm saying when I don't rest, and I've been extremely guilty of that. Here's something I want you to understand. If you're a note taker, here's a good note to take. Through rest, God is inviting you to more. More productivity, more impact, more joy. When we don't trust God with all of our time, it simply is disobedience. And we're saying, God, you're not enough. The Sabbath now, it's not a have to, but it's a need to. You see, God is saying, you don't have to do this. It's not a command, but you need this more than anything. You need to take time and rest and not just sleep. It's not just that. Yes, it's partly that. But it's time with family. It's time to worship. It's time to, to unplug yourself from the rest of this world and only focus on God and the relationships that are close to you, your family, your church family, your friends, your neighbors, to spend time unplugging and plugging in to God completely. So through rest, God is inviting you to more. He's not inviting you to less. And see, we believe the lie that it's less. Okay, if, if I sleep, I can't get more done. But what we understand by looking at life, just looking at it, is God's inviting you to more. When you take rest, you're more productive, you have more impact, and you even have more joy. In 2005, National Geographic published the findings of uh, a scientific study where they went around to different places. Uh, the U.S. National Institute of Aging went around and studied populations that had a high number of people that were 100 plus years old. And they went and studied them and they, they watched them and they asked what they felt like was the reason for their longevity. And in California, they found a group of Seventh-day Adventists, um, which, you know, if you don't know, that's a, a denomination, a group that has church on Sunday. They believe in literally keeping the Sabbath. And, uh, you know, I'm not trying to bash them, but they can be sort of legalistic about it a lot of times. I'm not saying I'm just kind of stating the fact, but they honor that thing. They really rest on, um, on, on, the, on Saturday, on the Sabbath. And they found that that group of people in, in uh, Loma Linda, California, 
lived an average of four to ten years longer than the average Californian. And the idea is that, well, you got to go, you got to go, you got to go, you got to experience life. But when they took off a day a week and rested and worshiped and, and, and focused on God, on average, they seemed to live four to ten years longer. That's a long time. And so when you take time to rest, it seems to lengthen your life. And we believe the opposite a lot of times, don't we? There's some historical findings, and um, I, I, forgive me for not having a reference for you, but uh, when people were traveling on the Oregon Trail, there were people that drove their wagon teams really, really hard and went and hardly ever rested. They just stopped for the night and slept, then they get up. But they noticed, uh, looking at records, that many times that people that honored the Sabbath rest, you know, for them it would have been Sunday most likely, is, you know, more modern Christianity. But they would stop on Sundays and they would rest. They actually end up getting there quicker than the people who drove hard every day. It, it just shows when we rest... We allow our bodies to recuperate and get stronger. And many of us, we run ourselves so ragged that we crash, and the first thing that we do is we cut out church. You know? We, we run ourselves so ragged, we fill our schedule so full that we just cannot possibly go any longer, and when we crash, the first thing we do is cut out church. But we still have, on average, two to three and a half hours a day to watch Netflix. Yeah. The average American watches two to three and a half hours, not a week, a day, Netflix. Okay, don't be all legalistic if you don't watch Netflix. You might watch Hulu, but come on now, you know what I'm saying? Well, y'all ain't even gonna laugh at that because y'all feel guilty. Yeah, too close, too personal. You know, it's easy. Or YouTube, you know, you fill in the blank. But we have time, and when we crash, all we do is the first thing many times what we do is we cut out our time with God and his church. And so we have to clarify this idea. It's not rest from God, but it's rest in God that we need. Rest in God and be replenished. True rest comes when we refill ourselves with spiritual goodness. And when we serve other people, when we when we serve, and we encourage you to serve here, we talk about it a lot because we believe it's a huge part of your faith and your life in Jesus. Over the next couple of weeks moving forward, we're going to have what we call uh, Erase the Red, where we give you an opportunity to sign up and serve to help uh, accomplish the mission of our church. And so we're not saying don't serve, but serve and take breaks. We try to schedule all of our people to where they can get some rest and just be here and worship. And so that's why it's important that all of us do something because if you help take a load off of somebody else, they can come and they can relax and worship and rest and praise God and then come back ready to serve you the following week. It's a beautiful thing. And so when you serve, take time and rest and be here and just worship and sing and praise and, and take communion and listen to the message and just hug people and just welcome them and, and do all these things. Don't say, okay, I'm not on the calendar to serve. I'm burned out, so I'm not coming to church. You're going to hurt yourself in the long run. But here's the important thing, or an additional important thing. When you're at home with your family, worship with your family and your friends. Spend some time each week, even if it's just a short time, reading Scripture together praying, eating, invite a family into your home and eat around the table together. Enjoy a game or some activity that brings you joy and refills you, not something that just stresses you out. We need to practice 
rest. And we need to do it every time. I want to challenge you, and I'm going to hammer on that a little bit later on. But I want to challenge you if you think, oh, I don't have a whole day where I can do that. I want to challenge you to start with two hours. Two hours, one day a week, where you unplug, you turn the phones off, you know, no notifications, all that sort of stuff, and you just spend some time around the table, read scripture together, laugh together, talk about your week, and, and share a meal together, and then start expanding it, trusting God with your time. Well, the next thing is this, diet. And that's probably everybody's least favorite, right? When it comes to physical exercise, we, you know, we might work out a little bit, but we don't want to change our diet. You know, um, here's the thing. What are you eating? As much as I hate to admit it, all food is not equal, is it? You know, um, as much as I hate to admit, Krispy Kreme does not do for you what grilled chicken does. You know, you might eat the same amount of calories, but it's not going to have the same positive impact. And, you know, most of us, we probably eat a dozen Krispy Kreme donuts, but we don't eat a dozen chicken breasts. That would be kind of unhealthy, too, I would think. But you get the point. You know, it's not going to have the same effect. And so we've got to be careful what we eat, what we bring in. And so when we're talking about feeding ourselves spiritually, we want to make sure that we're focused on that. We talk about that a lot here because it's so vitally important. What you're eating spiritually is so important. We talk about having, we just talked about it last week when we're talking about building consistency. Finding time every morning, every day to spend a little bit of time, quality time in God's word. It's so important. And just like our physical food, it's the quality that makes the difference. We want to encourage you to eat spiritually healthy here. Because the truth is, there's so much bad spiritual food that is out there in this world. I don't know if you realize that, but there's a lot of bad spiritual food. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 13. Let's look there. It says, For such men are false prophets, or apostles, excuse me, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their deeds. We're told there, as Paul writes to the church at Corinth, he says, be careful who you listen to because Satan masquerades as an angel of light. The people that are out to deceive you and trick you, even if it's just simply that they're deceived, they may not intend to trick you, but just that they're deceived, they're not going to come around saying, danger, danger, don't listen to me. They're not going to do that, especially if they're trying to can deceive you. They will, they will trick you. They will look good. They will look nice. They will masquerade as an angel of light. We go on and look at 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. It says, but false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. You will see, excuse me, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who brought them bringing upon themselves swift destruction. So the Apostle Peter also challenges. It wasn't just Paul saying it. You know, God inspired all these scriptures. God is the one speaking through these people. But Peter says it as well, speaking, inspired by the Holy Spirit, that there will be false prophets and teachers among you, and they will do things that will help pull you away, even to the point of denying Jesus. And then look at 2 Timothy chapter 4, beginning in verse 3. It says, For the time is coming... When people will not endure sound teaching, 
but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. See, the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, here writes again. He says, make sure you stay on guard because there will be a time when people don't want to hear the truth. And man, if that is not true of our life and our world today, I don't know what is. You will find if you, you don't even have to look hard anymore because you can just search it on Google or YouTube and you will find somebody who will be an echo chamber for you and tell you what you want to believe. And they will, they will read scripture and they will twist it and they will take it out of context and they will do all sorts of stuff, but they will make you feel good about your disobedience. And that is dangerous, and that is deadly. And so that's why, I'm going to say it again today, I say it very regularly, you don't simply take even my word for it. I, I, I try to be a faithful and true Bible teacher, but don't simply take my word for it. Look at God's word, compare what everybody says. But here's the problem. If I'm teaching and preaching, and I say something that goes against something you've always, always been taught, the temptation for us is to not go and study scripture and say, well, this is where you're right or this is where you're wrong and this is where I need to change or this is where you need to change. We just simply go and find somebody who agrees with us and we just listen to them and we don't consult God's word. That's deadly. It's dangerous. You know, it, we're, it's even called the doctrine of demons when we teach things that are other than scripture. And so we've got to feed spiritually on the true milk and meat of the word. And so there's a lot of poisonous food out there. And, and I'm not just trying to be negative, but there's a lot of scriptural teaching about that, about false teachers and warnings about them. There's a lot. But there's also another type of food that we need to have less of in our diet spiritually. There's a lot of processed food. Just like there's processed food when we go in the grocery store, things that are already made. You know, a lot of times our scriptural uh, food for us is a lot like Lunchables, right? It's just all put together for us and we don't ever dig in and cook our own food. And there we know, we know right? We know that kind of food's not healthier. Well, the same thing true spiritually. And just like a lot of our diets are made up of that stuff, quick, easy, prepackaged meals, we're tempted to eat our spiritual food that way and that way only. Things like Christian books and Christian devotionals and blogs and now Facebook and Instagram and TikTok are, are rife with all sorts of self-proclaimed God experts. And those things aren't necessarily bad, but they can't be the full sum of your spiritual diet. They cannot. They cannot. I, I've seen some recently, um, some probably well-meaning people, you know, on Instagram and, you know, I'm sure it's probably on TikTok too, where somebody's sitting there and it's just a close-up, you know, them holding the, the phone and they're, they're telling you some deep spiritual truth. And I, I was listening to it and I was like, that is hogwash. But because they've got a cool looking filter and they got a cool background song playing in the background and they've got a bunch of followers, everybody's like, oh yeah, 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 that's right. And they don't ever check scripture. And I'm like, it's so simple to look in scripture and disprove what that guy's saying, but a lot of people will not. We cannot allow our spiritual diet to consist only of those. I'm not saying devotion books are bad, necessarily. I'm not saying that, you know, even the notes in your Bible are bad. But I want you to know about all of those things is that those are not written by God. Those are written by people. People like you and me who have flaws and make mistakes and get confused and uh, sometimes have bad intentions, but we need to know that they are written by people, not by God. And so we have to fulfill 
and fill most of the majority of our spiritual diet with sound biblical teaching or simply God's word. Well, the last thing is this, exercise. Put your faith and your knowledge into practice. You know, we know that exercise is, the good, is one of the keys to getting healthy physically, the same thing spiritually. In, in health and wellness, there's no replacement for it. You know, you need to be doing some sort of resistance training to help your body get stronger and stay strong for years and years and years to come. You gotta put in that kind of work, even if it's only just your body weight, right? You have to do it. Well, it's no different with their spiritual lives. You have to move and stretch and tear down and grow your spiritual muscles as well as your physical muscles if you want to be optimally healthy. Can I ask you all a question? Have you ever uh, been guilty of just watching workout videos and reading articles and like maybe even eating snacks while you're watching workout videos? <laughs> y'all lie, lie, lie. Y'all have, y'all have done that. Yeah, I'm going to do that tomorrow. Here's my Snickers bar. <laughs> I've done that. You know, it's like, yeah, I'm going I'm to do that workout tomorrow, but nope, you don't ever do it. It's easy for our spiritual lives to be that way. We struggle with it spiritually. We, we hear teaching. We hear these ideas. We come up with these ideas of this is what I'm going to do to grow my faith, and then we may never do it. We just keep eating junk food spiritually. James chapter 2, verse 26 says this, For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. James 1, verse 22 says this, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. You notice the pattern here? 1 John chapter 3, verse 18 says, Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. It's not enough to just talk about it. It's not enough to just think about it. We've got to do these things of our faith. We've got to tell people about Jesus. We've got to love them even when it's hard. And here's a few ideas that I believe are resistance training for a believer. This is like lifting weights and exercising for a believer. I believe forgiveness is one. Uh-oh, that's kind of hard, right? Forgiveness is one. Generosity, I believe, is another one. Service, as we've talked about already, is definitely one. Confession, it's hard, right? Nobody wants to go out and do burpees. You know, they're not real fun, but when you do them, you get healthy and you get stronger. It's not fun to confess your sins to another believer. But if we want to get healthy and we want to get strong, we've got to find somebody that we trust, that cares about us, that we can confess our sins to. Self-denial is another form of our Christian exercise and building our muscles. We deny ourselves instead of just caving in to what we want every moment. And then maybe the hardest one, if not one of the hardest, joy and trials. Helping and asking God to help you have joy in trials. It's a theme that's repeated over and over and over in Scripture, and it does not happen by accident. I don't know very many people who just naturally are joyful in the face of struggle and trial, but that's our goal, to get our heart to a place like that. And so we've got to work at those things, and we've got to exercise those muscles. And these are things that are going to hurt you, and they're going to stretch you. And sadly, many of us will never grow our muscles spiritually. And because of this, we get left weak and helpless in our faith. So here's a few questions to think about. Who do you need to forgive? They probably will never deserve it. But guess what? God forgave us and not one of us deserve it. Are you practicing generosity? 
Are you giving regularly to help God's mission move forward? Are you serving other people in the church and outside of the church and the community? Are you confessing to a brother or sister in Christ who's trustworthy and who's a good spiritual example for you? Are you denying yourself in anything, even if it's just a little bit less Netflix, so you can focus on some time in God's Word? Are you struggling? And I I mean that. Are you struggling? Are you wrestling to have joy in trials? It will not happen naturally. You got to wrestle and fight for it. So here's your challenge. In just a few moments, we're going to go into our time of communion, and this is going to be a perfect time for you to think about this after you hear what Steve has to say to lead us in that time. But here's your challenge. I want you to go out this week, and I want you to, if you're really struggling with this especially, I want you to practice some form of rest, some form of rest. And as we said earlier, uh, you know, I want you to set a goal to have a day where you really rest spiritually and physically. And if that seems impossible, start with two hours. An hour is not enough because by the time you get settled down, you end up spending about 15 minutes resting because your brain will not disengage. So try with two hours and then try to increase it. But try to figure out some time to spiritually rest, to sit around a table and share a meal with your family or some friends or, you know, and spend some time in scripture, listening to some music that's going to encourage you and lift you up and point you to Jesus. But take some time to rest, play some game, have some fun, tell some stories, laugh and give glory to God. And then when it comes to your diet, the second thing I want to challenge you to do this. Consume the good word of God every day and weed out the poison and weed out the junk in your life. Just say, hey, I'm going to do it every day, even if it's just one verse for five minutes that I just think about throughout the rest of the day. Do that every day. And then exercise. And this is the hardest, just like physical exercise is the hardest for a lot of us. Pick one of those example areas I mentioned and start with one today. Forgive, maybe, or give, or serve, or confess, or deny yourself, or learn to practice joy. Because the truth is, if we want to endure, we have to become consistent. And it starts with resting in God, feeding our souls, and growing our faith. Steve's going to come and lead us and our time of communion. And I want you to be thinking about these things. I want you to think about where he's going to lead us. And if you need to talk and pray, I'll be off to the side during that time, but we want to really focus our minds and our hearts on him and make a change and be who he's called us to be. Thank you for listening to Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast. Want to learn more about us? You can do that by visiting our website at movementchristianchurch.com or on our app available on iOS and Android devices under Movement MC.